Welcome to the MSD Animal Health Podcast. On this podcast, we interview people working across the agricultural industry to bring you the latest disease information, insights into our technology solutions, and discuss relevant industry topics. Hello and welcome to the second episode of our Total Calf Health Solutions podcast series. My name is Helena Madden, I'm a veterinary manager with MSD Animal Health and today I am joined by Emer Kennedy, a senior research officer with Chagas. So Emer, would you like to introduce yourself? Good morning Helena, so as I said I'm a research officer here in Moorpark um, and I look after the areas of calf health and, and heifer rearing mainly. Brilliant, so that will fit in well today because today we're going to discuss all things cluster management. Um, so I suppose, Emer, we talk an awful lot about colostrum um, and every spring we bring it up. But why is colostrum management so important in ensuring the calves are healthy? Well, I think colostrum, to me, if you were to ask me what are the most important things when it comes to calf rearing, colostrum and hygiene management are two of the most critical factors. So if we talk about colostrum, um, it's really important because when the calf is in utero, there's no transfer of antibodies between the cow and the calf. So unlike us, when, you know, when human babies are in utero, there is a transfer of antibodies between the mother and the baby. And we all know the importance of immune system after coming through COVID and that now. So that's why it's so important that we kickstart that calf's immune system as fast as possible. And that's done by, by giving it colostrum. Brilliant. And then when it comes to giving calves colostrum, there are a few main areas that we need to get right in order to ensure they're getting the maximum benefit from the, the colostrum feed. So what are the, the main principles of colostrum management then? So I think the easiest way of remembering it is the colostrum one, two, three rule. So first milking within two hours of birth and to feed three litres. So if we just go through each of those um, different areas. So colostrum is, is only the, the first milking that the cow produces. Milkings two to six are transition milk. Um, so the antibodies in colostrum are at the highest um, straight after the cow calves. And there's only enough antibodies then to transfer the immunity to the calf um, in that first milking. By the time you get to the second milking, the antibodies have halved and they continue to, to decrease over time um, until it becomes mature milk. Um, so that's why we're saying just the first milking to ensure that it's, it's high enough quality. We determine good quality colostrum by the amount of IgGs or antibodies in it. So um, we know that 50 milligrams per mil is a threshold that determines high or poor quality colostrum. So above 50 milligrams per mil of IgG is classed as good quality colostrum. And that then is equivalent to 22% on the BRICS refractometer. So we would encourage everybody to measure their colostrum on the BRICS refractometer because, you know, when we talk about feeding within two hours of birth and feeding three litres, those things we can manage. The one unknown is the amount of immunoglobulins or antibodies that is in the colostrum. So if we measure it on the refractometer and it's above 22%, well, then we're kind of pretty sure that the quality is good enough to transfer immunity to the calves. So that's why we're saying first milking. Then to feed um, within two hours, the calf's ability to absorb antibodies are maximised within the first two hours of birth. And then it starts to, to deplete their, their ability to absorb these antibodies um, and over time reducing. And by the time you get to 24 hours of age, the calf can't absorb any more antibodies anymore. So, you know, everything is kind of standing to reason that the colostrum is at its highest quality straight after the cow calves. The calf's ability to absorb those antibodies from colostrum is at its highest straight after it's born. 
and then we want to feed the calf three litres. So that, that means that we're giving them, if we're giving them enough high quality colostrum and we're giving it to them within um, the two hours and then feeding our three litres, that we're giving enough antibodies into that calf to kickstart that immune system and give a good protection um, in terms of its immunity going forward. So really we're against the clock from two different points of view. As soon as the cow calves, every hour that passes, the quality of her colostrum decreases, but also on the other side, the ability of the calf to absorb the antibodies decreases with, with every hour post-calving as well. Exactly. And you've just brought up a really good point there in terms of the, the factors that affect the quality of, of colostrum. And one of the biggest things is the time interval between calving and the collection of the colostrum. So not everybody, okay, the gold standard is that the cow calves milk the cow and feed the calf its, its colostrum, but not everybody can do that. So they're milking, we'll say, at you know milking times. Um, but there, there's kind of a threshold there. There's a nine hour window or interval um, after which the quality starts to deteriorate. So, for example, in practice, if you if you were to think about it, if you had um, a cow who calves, we'll say at five o'clock in the morning and you're milking it at her at eight o'clock that morning, the quality of that colostrum will be will be still really high. Whereas if that cow calved at seven o'clock the previous night and you didn't milk her until eight o'clock the next morning, the chances are that there won't be enough antibodies in that um, colostrum to kickstart the cow's or the calf's immune system. And really what's happened there is that, um, you know, signals have been sent to the cow and she starts producing more milk and it's just diluting down the quantity of antibodies. Um, so that time interval is, is really important. Also, just while we're on the factors that, that affect quality, some of the other things, like it's often reported that heifers mightn't have good enough quality, but that's we have never found that here because the quality um, of the heifers, the biggest problem with the heifers is the volume of colostrum that they produce tends to be on the low side, but their antibodies um, are high enough. Um, breed can sometimes be a, a factor. So like Jersey cows, purebred Jerseys tend to have higher quality colostrum. Again, dilution, they have a, a lower volume. So, you know, it's it, it, that's that's kind of one of the factors there. Um, the month of calving, often we have found that the cows that calf at the end of the, the calving season, so eight, those April-May um, calvers in the spring calving system, tend to have poor quality colostrum. Some of the reasons for that might be because they've been indoors in silage for a longer period of time, a poor quality feed. Um, you know, so that's just something to consider when you get towards the end of the calving season, it might be a good idea to have some colostrum in reserve, you know, keeping some in the in the freezer. It'll last, like if you're at the peak of calving and you freeze some colostrum, it'll last in the freezer for um, at least a year. So Emer, when we talk then about the quality of the colostrum, and you've mentioned a few of the areas that affect that, would the condition of the cow prior to calving have anything to do with it as well? Yeah, cow condition is also important. So you need to make sure that your cow is in the correct con condition score, so 3.25 to 3.5 um, pre-calving. Also making sure you know that the, the diet they're being offered is appropriate, so good quality silage to get them to that condition score and also giving them their pre-calving minerals. Um, there's no no need for anything additional. But So once once you've catered for their, their dietary requirements and they're getting to that condition score, the colostrum quality should be good enough. And just when it comes to collecting and storing colostrum then, what do we need to do there to make sure that we maintain the quality of the of the colostrum? 
So the biggest thing there is hygiene that we need to make sure that like they everything that we're using to milk the cow is clean, the containers that we're collecting it into are clean, and then if we're storing it in other containers that they are also clean. Um obviously the gold standard, as I said before, was that if the cow calves, you milk that cow and feed its calf that colostrum. We know that's not necessarily possible on all, all farms. So what we have looked at here in some of our experiments is that we have um, fed calves colostrum from their own mother compared it to calves that were fed colostrum from a single other um, cow. And there's no difference um, in uptake of antibodies between the two of them. But the most critical thing when you're um, storing colostrum is that you're trying to minimize that bacterial growth so as soon as you collect it if you are storing it it needs to get into a fridge within three to six hours because the growth of bacteria is exponential at that stage and what happens is you can test it on the refractometer and it can look like it's still really high quality but the um, antibodies are proteins and the bacteria bind to those proteins and then they become too large to to pass through so you're actually reducing the the ability of the calf to, to absorb those those antibodies just because the bacteria load is so high so they're just some of the things to look out for when, when you're storing it and how long can we keep colostrum in the fridge for so colostrum can stay in the fridge for 48 hours after that 48 hours the bacteria again is getting really high so at that stage you just need to go through it and throw it out don't be tempted to keep it and feed it to to other calves just just discard it um, and as we said earlier it'll stay in the freezer for up to a year but I guess the key thing to remember when you're freezing colostrum is when you actually go to defrost it that you're not putting it into boiling water you don't put it into microwave um, on a, in, a, in a saucepan on a cooker all because you can't control the temperature so you don't know how hot it's after getting and we know that like those antibodies can be denatured above 60 degrees so the best practice there is if you're freezing it is to maybe put it in a plastic bag because they're nice and thin and the surface area is is much larger so it'll defrost faster rather than we'll say putting it into an empty milk carton um, and then just using water that's maybe body temperature to to defrost it yeah so we could store colostrum say if we have an excess in the peak of the calving season and then Later on, you might test colostrum. It's less than 22% on your bricks, so you could use your, your storage colostrum then from, from the freezer for those calves. Exactly, and it's also really good because generally people will have excess of colostrum, we'll say, during, during peak calving, um, to have it for the following year because you might have heifers that calf that don't have a large enough volume, so you can use it, use it at that stage. And using your own colostrum um, is better than, we'll say, maybe importing it from a different farm because the cows on your farm have developed antibodies against the diseases on your farm brilliant um and then when given colostrum to calves um is there any evidence to show that stomach tubing or actually feeding the calf with a with a calf feeder is is better what's the best approach to take with that so i guess like when we come back to the colostrum one two three so feeding your three liters the key is to get the three liters into the calf and the best way that you can do that is probably the best but if, if we were to break it down and look at it between um, a bottle and teat and a stomach tube the absorption of the antibodies is slightly higher with the bottle and teat um, here we would prefer to try them all um, with a bottle and teat first because it's it well once you get them even within the first half hour after being born they're very good to, to suck and they t- tend to drink it fast and they'll drink all of the three litres um, 
And once you go for that half hour, they're, they're less inclined to drink it. But what we find is that when we when we feed them with the bottle and teat, that they're more inclined to suck for the second feed. Um, but that said, you know, if calving is really busy and if there's a risk that you're not going to get all that colostrum into the calf via the bottle and teat, well, then use the stomach tube. And as I said, on some farms, stomach tubing all the time works works best for them. Yeah, at the end of the day, the main thing is that they get adequate, good quality colostrum as, as soon as possible. Exactly. So if we just go back to the quantity of colostrum for a minute, Emer, and the three litres that's part of our one, two, three principle, what's that three litres based off of? So that three litres is eight and a half percent of calf's birth body weight for about a 35 kilo calf, which would be the average kind of birth weight of, of dairy calves um, in Ireland. So, for example, you know, if you had maybe a purebred Jersey herd and those calves are typically born by 22, 23 kilos, or if you had maybe larger, more Holsteiny, or for a lot of farmers now who are using beef semen, sometimes the calves can be 50, 60 kilos. It's eight and a half percent of their birth body weight to make sure that they're getting enough antibodies to convey basically that they'll get adequate passive transfer. Brilliant. And then um, the temperature of the colostrum, does that make any difference? It does. That's actually a good point. So, you know, it's really important to feed colostrum um, at like that that's warmed at body temperature because that helps the absorption of the antibodies. So um, if you were to feed cold colostrum, the, the absorption of the antibodies will be a lot lower than if you fed it at, um, at body temperature. So it's always good practice that we'll say if you have that stored colostrum that you take it out and you just heat it to body temperature before you feed it just to make sure that you're maximising the absorption of the antibodies. Brilliant. And after our first colostrum feed then, Emer. Um, we move on to, to what we're going to feed the calf next. So transition milk, does that have an important role to play as well in, in keeping calves healthy? Yeah, transition milk is really important. So just as I said, transition milk is milkings two to six. So although the antibodies mightn't be as high as they were, we'll say in that initial milking, that colostrum milking, they still are a lot higher than, than mature milk. And feeding transition milk is is really important. So like previously, I did say that the gut closes after 24 hours. So technically the the calf can't absorb any more antibodies. But often, you know, that second feed uh, is coming within that 24 hour period. Um, you know, so so you are going to boost the calf's uh, um, immunity. But also, even if the gut has closed, there's local effects in the lining of the gut, particularly around scours um, and that kind of thing. So when we're talking about transition milk, what we're looking at is feeding two and a half litres per feed. So five litres per day and feeding that for at least um, four feeds. And obviously, if your calves are vaccinated, you need to extend that out a little bit longer to get the maximum advantage of giving the vaccine to the cows. Exactly. And you mentioned calf scour and vaccination there, Emer, And obviously we know how significant calf scour is and how common it is and how much of an issue it is, particularly in, in very young calves. So when it comes to vaccinating then, um, particularly for rotavirus, coronavirus and E. coli, we obviously take the approach of vaccinating the cow with, for example, rotavirus corona. And I guess the idea behind that is that we're almost piggybacking on the, the benefits of colostrum and boosting the mother's antibodies to the, the various diseases and hoping then that the, the antibodies transfer to the calf. But with that, we always talk about the timing of vaccinating the cow. Could you just explain why that is so important when you're when you're using a scour vaccine? So 
when the, the, the cows are, are vaccinated, we want to make sure that they have the maximum amount of antibodies to convey that transfer of immunity to the calf. So ideally, like a good good scenario would be to maybe split your cows into half. So your earlier calvers do those at an earlier stage and then your later calvers do them a little bit later, particularly because we've all been in the situation, you know, you're rearing calves the first six weeks, there's generally no problems. And then after that, the problems start to, to happen. And if you if that coincides with, like we'll say, waning immunity, um, with the cow in terms of their vaccination that can cause a big problem so if for example if you've had issues with rotavirus or that it's a good idea as you said to split that vaccine so that the cows have really good immunity particularly at that that crunch time you know maybe the second six weeks of that of the of the calf rearing season yeah so to make sure the cow definitely gets the vaccine in the three to twelve week period prior to calving to get the, the maximum effect and like you say definitely and we would see that and everyone sees that it's the second half of the calves that are more prone to getting sick just because of a buildup of disease in the environment, etc. So making sure that those cows aren't too far away from when they had the vaccine because the amount of antibodies in the colostrum will have, have decreased. And the transition milk as well. Obviously, when you have vaccinated the cow, there's a continued benefit through the antibodies in the transition milk for protecting against the, the calf scar agents as well. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we've really, you know, uh, discussed the, the benefits of transition milk there, Emer, um, especially in, in vaccinated cows and preventing calf scour. Any issue with pooling transition milk before feeding it to calves? Well, pooling colostrum or pooling transition milk isn't really the best practice. Of course, it goes without saying, and didn't previously mention it, and I should have, that when you're feeding colostrum, it should only be coming from healthy cows, particularly where yonase is an issue. Any cows that have yonase should just be excluded that no colostrum collected off them. It doesn't come near the calf shed to feed to feed any calves. Pooling, the issue with pooling then is that it can dilute down um, the, the colostrum or the, the transition milk. So generally when you go to pool, there, there's one cow that might have a lot and you add it in with maybe a cow that, which didn't have as much and the, the qualities tend to differ there and you're kind of diluting it down so you might be um, minimising the advantage of giving that that um, transition milk or the colostrum with a high level of antibodies. So the kind of rule is you shouldn't pool. Ideally don't pool, yeah. Brilliant. Um, and just then in general, I suppose obviously colostrum is in a way the cornerstone of, of calf health and, and keeping calves healthy. And if we don't get it right, you know, we don't give them any chance at all. But there are obviously lots of other factors that are important in preventing disease, particularly scour and pneumonia. Um, so what what are the other areas that we need to, to really focus in on to give our calves the best chance of staying healthy? So just before we even go into that, I think it's important for people to realise, you kind of think, okay, well, it's colostrum, it's the first feed that I give a calf. Surely before, like if she's in a dairy herd or, you know, at whatever system, I can rectify the issue um, over time. But the, the simple answer is that you can't. Um, like if you get the colostrum management wrong, you're going to reduce weight gains. Um, you're going to reduce, obviously there's... Their, their chances of survival reduce, but there's an increased risk of them getting sick um, and dying from that. Um, and also, like say in dairy cows, there's reduced production when they hit the lactating herd. So the, the consequences last almost for a lifetime. So it's really important that as soon as that calf is born, that you kind of get on it straight away and, and start taking your action by giving the colostrum within the two hours. And as I previously said, hygiene then is also really important, particularly we've mentioned the first six weeks and things 
don't really become a problem until um you know you hit that six week mark there's a buildup of bacteria and calves start to get sick and this is where your hygiene is critical you know there's, there's lots of little things that you can do as well for example you don't have enough feeders to feed the calves um, a good practice is to start feeding with your youngest calves first because they have the least developed immune system and then move the feeders down um, towards the older calves so that you're not transferring disease from your older calves back to back to your younger calves and then washing the the feeders um you know giving them a good dis- disinfectant a proper wash once to twice a week so that you're minimizing the bacteria on them and also w- with cleaning out the pens people sometimes there's two different ways you can do it you can have like um a system where you're cleaning it out every week doing a full removal or else where where you're just a deep bedding system where you're letting the straw pile on top of each other and that's fine as long as the calves are um in a nice warm bed that's dry um and you know straw is really good because there's a good kind of nestling factor in it so when a calf is lying in straw what you want to see um is that that it's looking like it's bedding deep into it but you don't want to see their belly you don't want to see their legs they're nestled into it um so they're getting good um kind of heat and that from, from the straw to to keep them warm um and hygiene if you have issues with say with scour and that that you're using uh, disinfectants that are appropriate for for the diseases that are on the farm just to kill those bugs Brilliant. I think it's a really good point you make about the long term effects of what we do with calves, even like that, even the difference that correct colostrum management in the first few hours of a calf's life can make to the long term capability of that animal to reach their potential. And we would have quite a lot of work done on that as well, even looking at pneumonia, which we discussed in another podcast and the effects that just getting pneumonia in the first eight weeks can have on, on the ability of that that cow or heifer to, to stay in the herd and, and to reach their potential. So it's a really critical time. A lot of things that can go against us, but a few basic, I suppose, pillars of management that can, that can really help us to, to give them a good start. So Emer, you mentioned it there a couple of times, even with the best will in the world, we're probably going to end up with some scouring calves, especially in the, in the second half of the calving season. When it comes to managing those calves, what are, are some of the basic things we need to need to get right when we're, we're trying to treat a scouring calf? So I think the first thing is to be vigilant and pick up calves as soon as soon as possible in that you can identify them. And if they need to be fed electrolytes or that, that, that you're in there, I guess with the scouring calf, the most critical thing is to stay feeding milk because the, the milk isn't giving them the scour it's providing energy that's going to make them recover faster and in lots of studies that we've done and even on our on-farm work where um, we've we've surveyed farmers who stay feeding milk during a scour outbreak the recovery is faster and they lose less calves so you know your hygiene is important being vigilant picking up the calves as soon as possible giving them appropriate nutrition and staying feeding milk um, it, they're all important factors in, in getting over um, a scour episode as fast as possible. Okay, so we've covered an awful lot there, Emer. Um, so before we finish, we might just get you to give us a few take-home messages um, around colostrum management in calves and, and other areas of calf health. Okay, I'm going to give you my top five. So the first thing is colostrum 123, um, which is the first milking, only the first milking because the antibodies are high enough in that one to transfer passive immunity to the calf. Then two is to feed within two hours so that we're kickstarting that immune system as fast as possible. Three, to feed three litres or eight and a half percent of their birth body weight. And then to follow that by feeding transition milk. So at least four feeds of transition milk and two and a half litres per feed of that transition milk. And then finally, the fifth thing is to make sure that you've got hygiene levels um, across the cash shed in the calving season. 
Brilliant. That's fantastic, Emer. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, that is all you need to know about cholesterol management and, and calf health. So good luck with the calving season and join us for our next podcast where we'll cover everything to do with coccidiosis in young calves.